You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Life of Tri podcast. I am in Australia, but uh, I've managed to not get Phil Rockner involved with this, which uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I am sitting here with Crowey, Craig Alexander, and Cameron Brown, two legends of the sport. How lucky am I? Um, and we are at the Noosa Triathlon. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Crowey. Um, did you ever race Noosa? You must have. Every, everyone's raced Noosa, Kevin. Yeah, I did. I um, it was one of the first pro races I ever did. I think I 95. Been in the sport 12 months. I think I got 11 or 12th up here. Um, but raced here probably six or seven times. Once I started racing more in the US, um, so spending a good six months over there, it was always at the end of a long season. I didn't race it as much. And, and then when I started racing in Hawaii, I'd always come back for the party but didn't quite get on the race course. Okay, and I probably should have, yeah, what a stupid question. I should have said, did you ever win Noosa? Never won it. I had a couple of, I think, three second places here. Finished second to the big man, Craig Walton, twice. And I think Paul Amy actually, I think, got me one time here. Um, had, a, had a third, a fourth, had a fifth. Actually, I had every place you want in the top five except the top spot, yeah. Well, I think you did okay even without the Noosa win. So, uh, Cam Brown, um, I'm guessing you must have raced here at some point. Yeah, only once. Yeah, 1998 when it was the World Cup. So, um, you know, we didn't do the Garmin climb or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it was just pretty much a criterium around uh, the, the streets here. So, um, that there was yeah, it was always you know after Hawaii, and I'd always come back from Hawaii and have a just needed a break. So, sadly, I didn't. Um, you know, I've watched it quite a few times, but never, never, you know, only raced it once. So. Um, I've been sort of walking around here with a bunch of media types and we keep saying North America needs one of these. They need something like this. What is it that makes this event so special in your mind? A lot of things. I think obviously the, the sheer volume of people here makes it a great atmosphere. It's a festival. There's events that run pretty much all week or from the Wednesday. Um, the organizers bring in a lot of world-class athletes from other sports for the Legends race on the Saturday. The the swim race on the Friday night, they actually bring in Olympic swimmers to race here. So I think it's just a festival of sport. But it's funny you mention that because I always felt that when I first went to the US in like 2002, races like Chicago, those big races that had a big expo and a big field, had a similar feel. Uh, maybe not the same festival feel because, I mean, Noosa is just such a great town. It's not a huge city. Um, but I think it's just the feel, you know, I, there's something for everyone to do. There's a kids race, there's swimming races, there's a fun run. Um, so they got a lot of different events on and I, and I just really think the way the organizers bring in and invite world-class rugby players, league players, AFL players, runners. So there's a lot of great athletes here who get involved in some capacity in the whole festival. It just adds to the whole thing. It's, it is really a, a special week of multi-sport and it's got a lot of unique ingredients yes um cam you're uh I, I didn't see you racing you were part of the legends thing what are you sort of doing here this weekend uh just yeah come out came over to support one of my long-term long-time sponsors and um you know he's done it 21 times so uh yeah he, he first first race here in 1989 so 
he, he just loves it, and you know that's why people come back. You know, there were so many legends doing the uh, the race. Uh, you know, this morning, yeah. it's quite quite incredible. So uh, it's a race that yeah you just continue to come back to because it's a fantastic destination. Great friends. You know, you always catch up with guys like Crowey, and and yeah, it's just an easy place to come and visit. And I've just been training here all week, and I tr trained here a lot uh, pre uh, Ironman Hawaii. It's uh, just amazing weather at that time of the year, and and just you know fantastic training as well yeah awesome well and we're sitting here right no one can see any of all of this stuff but we're sitting here in the booth where they did the live broadcast and we can look at this screen with like there are just well 7,500 people out on this course it's just incredible it's a great atmosphere and I've got to say the pro races this morning were just great to watch um, I guess in November you never know what kind of field you're gonna get it's been a long northern hemisphere season of racing for a lot of the top professionals but the men's and women's fields were great this morning it's great to come up and just watch the current crop of superstars i mean watching hayden wild and, and matt hauser go head to head this morning and and henry schumann was there as well that's just world-class racing and, and we also saw ash win her 10th noosa title which really is unbelievable i think to win to win a game of backyard cricket 10 years in a row against your kids would be hard but to win a major international race, I mean, I just, I think it speaks to Ash's level, her consistency, and just her class, her, her ability to prepare for this event. And But, I mean, the pros are only a small part of the story at this race. As you mentioned, seven and a half thousand people. A lot of these athletes only do one triathlon a year. It's here. There's a lot of beginners, a lot of first timers. But on the other side of the coin, there's also a lot of amateurs who have raced all over the world and, and are what I would consider elite age groupers. So you just get the full spectrum of athletes here. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And and thank you, Crowey, because that sort of draws me into, wanted to talk a little bit about Hayden Wild, Hayden Wild. And, um, you know, coming from Taupo himself, like I'm guessing he grew up with, you know, Iron Man, such a big deal there. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Cam, just about that kind of legacy and, and what having an event like, oh, sorry, I'm mispronouncing it. It's Ta-ta-po, there we go. Good grief, I'm never gonna get it right. Uh, but yeah, just can you talk a little bit about how important having a big event like a Noosa or an Ironman New Zealand is for a community? Yeah, I think just uh, the, it's just the history that um, people get behind it. You know, the volunteers come back year after year and it just becomes part of the, the, the town, you know, Taupo with the the Ironman the 70.3 it's you know they get the, the local community start racing it as well and it affects them as well they they just love coming and watching it competing in it and uh, it's you know fantastic for the Taupo community because it brings in a lot of money uh, in that area and, and it's a, a great tourist spot and hopefully we'll see a lot of people come down to 70.3 Worlds in December next year yeah so. Well, I, the, the last thing I wanted to just sort of chat with you two guys about, you know, legends in the sport and everything are, I've been, I keep talking about triathlon being at, at a real crossroads right now. And, you know, you've got a bunch of different race organizations with billionaires <laughs> backing them. It's never been a better time to be a pro, pro triathlete. Um, but yeah, what's sort of your take on, on where everything's at, Craig? Yeah, I mean, I think if you followed the sport long enough, like the three of us have, you see things go in cycles. I mean, there was, I mean, from what I hear from Cam and, and Welshie and a few others, 
there was good sponsorship and prize money opportunities in the US in the late 80s and 90s. Big non-endemic companies getting involved. And then you go through a lean period. But I know when I first went to the US in the 2000s, we had the Lifetime Fitness Triathlon, which at the time was the highest prize purse in the history of the sport. It was a quarter of a million dollars for um, a one-off Olympic distance race. And, and that was backed by a wealthy uh, beneficiary, I guess he, Brahma Karate, who owned Lifetime Fitness Gymnasium, the, the chain of gyms. And then I think that had a lifespan of about six years. And then hot on the heels of that, we saw the High V Triathlon come in, so a supermarket chain. So I think at different times you do see money come into the sport. What I see now is a little bit more structured because it's more coming from the organisations, the PTO, the money's coming through, um, and they've announced that they're going to have a, a bigger schedule of races next year with $100,000 first prize. Um, so it's yet to be seen. That I guess the question that we always ask and people always ask is, do these entities have a sustainable business model? Um, and so I'm excited. You know what? As an athlete, I, I love when money comes into the sport for the pro athletes because I know it's a hard gig. I know how hard they all train and I think they deserve it. I think whatever they're getting paid, they deserve it. Um, you know, they train upwards of 30 hours a week. Um, a lot of them come from, you know, high level elite performance in any of the individual three sports. And, and I think I, Cam and I talk about this, a lot of the, the current generation, I guess it's different to our generation, you fall into the sport a bit later. A lot of the current superstars were groomed as triathletes. And I think maybe Ali Brownlee and, and Gomez and, his, and, and that generation were perhaps the first triathletes who came through. They weren't falling into the sport from swimming or running. or. Yeah. So I think the level, the level um, in the sport continues to get higher. The technology in the sport around the equipment continues to get better. The times are getting faster. And I think the, the, the professionals deserve to be paid according to the work they put into it and if they're performing on a world-class stage at a world-class level. Um, so I guess to answer your question, it remains to be seen. Let's see the sustainability of some of these series, but it was interesting. You and I were both in Kona a couple of weeks ago and Ironman announced their new pro series. So I think that's an extra $2 million over and above what they currently pay. 1.7. So. The PTO, um, they've only announced two races for next year, but they've said there's going to be seven on their schedule. And they all have a big prize purse, and then they have an end-of-season payment for world rankings. Um, we see the WTS has, I'm not going to say it's decent prize money, but it's also a pathway to the Olympic Games for a lot of these athletes. There's Super League Triathlon, the French Grand Prix. So there's a lot of different um, organisations and styles of racing, and... I think a lot of opportunities for athletes to make a good living and they deserve it. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the PTO and, and uh, all the different Oh, series? yeah, Crowe's just summed it all up. Yep. It's uh, quite amazing to be a professional athlete at this stage. You know, there was, I think in the late, um, late 90s, there was a period where there wasn't much racing, there wasn't much prize money. And now, you know, in the late 2000, uh, you know, 2024, we're going to see uh, just a massive... Um, surge in, in prize money so it's, yeah, it's fantastic because there are a lot of uh, struggling triathletes and it, it, is, it is such a tough sport and uh, I'd, I, I'm glad I did, did my time in the early 2000s and, and 1990s and uh, it was a great time for the sport it's you know, continually growing and um, I think yeah, hopefully this will set a pathway for, for the future and, and um, 
you know, it, as Crowey says, we hope hopefully it is sustainable and it will continue because you don't want to see a, a series fall over when after a year. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I just, for me, I just wonder as as you mentioned that the sustainability and and you know is there because at the as much as all three of us are huge triathlon fans, sitting down and watching an Ironman on television is a tough ask for most people, right? So, uh, so I, I just always struggle with that. All right, uh, I've taken a ton of your time, but I, I cannot not ask this. So you guys, you, you're in Kona, you're sitting here, you're watching people running 230 marathons and all this. I'm sitting next to two of the greatest runners our sport has ever seen. How much would you have loved to run in carbon plate shoes in an Ironman? I'll start with, I'll start with Cam here. Oh, what, was, what was that? How much? Uh, how much would you have loved to run in carbon plate shoes oh, back yeah, in? Yeah. Well, I always remember in 2012, and me and Crowe had a, a battle at um, Melbourne Ironman uh, Asia Pacific Champs, and we were, uh, you know, running in just 20 mil um, soft racing flats, and you know, to, to be running in 40 mils of uh, beautiful soft rubber with carbon plates. I think Crowey ran a 237 that day. I ran a 240, and um, my Garmin said 42.5k. So um, we'll take another 300 meters off that, and uh, yeah, probably Crowey ran a, a 235. So you know, athletes have this advantage now of great technology. We've seen it on the bike. We're seeing it get faster and faster. Running shoes as well, so they'll continue to get quicker and quicker. But it, I'd l yeah, love to have uh, run in that sort of stuff when uh, we were in our uh, early 20s. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the new technology with the foam and the higher stack height means your legs don't break down in the back half of a half marathon or, or an Ironman. Plus, I think the extra recovery, you can possibly run more during your training and your build-up and recover better. So, yeah, no, it's good. And good luck to the athletes, I think. In all sports, you see, I'm still amazed at the bikes, to be honest. I mean the integrated drink bottles and, and nutrition compartments and the aerodynamics and, and even the front end cockpits now, how they're more like a fairing and aerodynamic. And I think it's great to see. I mean, I was standing out on the, the Queen K, the top of Polani, watching all the athletes, you know, all the women head out um, during Kona two weeks ago and it just looks professional. It looks, it looks classy. It looks really good. So, but yeah, I mean, I think every, look, any set of old legs would have appreciated more foam. So... Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. I, Topa, that's how I'm supposed to pronounce it, I think. There we go. So, hey, I'm uh, sitting here with two legends of our sport and uh, really appreciate it. The Noosa Triathlon, if you haven't been here, come for sure and hope, and come and say hi to Crowey and Cam Brown. On behalf of those two, I'm Kevin McKinnon. Thanks for joining us here at the Life of Tri. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.